Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Dupree, and... I'm Anna Landry. We are here with OCR Talk, the very first episode, and we are here, as you heard in the intro, not to be a media source. We're here just to talk about current events, but really just to be a conversation. So we're going to start out, and we've got lots of stuff to talk about, but we're going to have a place online. We're going to have a Facebook group and hope that all you guys join this, but we really want everybody to join in on the conversation there. So we talk about it, and you know, you listen, and you've, you're going to have things that pop up, and you're like, oh, yeah, well, you didn't mention this. So join us there, and it's going to be awesome because we're just going to continue the conversation from this episode on Facebook. So let's jump right into it. Anna, how's it going? Oh, it's going. It's pretty good. How's uh, your race season starting so far this year? Uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of road races right now. Not too many OCRs lined up as of yet. I think I've got Savage lined up sometime. We're still deciding if we want to do Houston, um, Spartan, and I'm really just focusing on training for Toughest in Austin and World's Toughest. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I have done the Spartan and SoCal, and I'm going to actually get into that later because it was very interesting to race for me for several different reasons. But uh, yeah, uh, what is your next race? My next race, let's see, I had a trail race last weekend. I had a half marathon this weekend, and I have another half marathon next weekend. So... <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Just ramping up the mileage right now. Yeah. Well, that's that's perfect for World's Toughest and uh, the Toughest right. events. Uh, I guess before we get into the first topic, you know, people that are listening to this, they might be saying, who in the heck are these two people and why do I want to listen to them? <laughs> uh, so 
first off, I think it's cool to know that you and I are both from the New Orleans area. And I say that uh, I'm I grew up in Ponchatoula. And where are you from, Baton Rouge? No, I actually grew up where you're living at now. <laughs> I grew up in Dallas oh. and I moved to Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's We're funny. Yeah, so <laughs> so I, I'm in Dallas now, uh, you know, hanging out with the Lone Star Spartans, doing a lot of races with them. And you're down in Baton Rouge? In, well, I go between Lafayette, Louisiana and Baton Rouge. So I'm down here okay. with the Battle 611 group. Nice. Very nice. All right. That's cool. Uh, I've been doing OCR since 2013. I actually started with a good friend of mine, Mark Duplessis. And have just gotten more and more into it and so much into it that I'm sitting here recording a podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) I I had kind of a similar story. I am compared to everybody else around me. I'm kind of a newbie to this sport. Surprisingly enough, I got into it back in 2015. I want to say the story is kind of fuzzy, but I started running and I started signing up for some road races locally. And then I guess since I started registering for road races, all these obstacle course races and Spartan races started popping up on my browser and my ads and in my newsfeed and everything. So I decided to check it out. And actually, my first race was the Super in Austin. (laughs) And my very first Spartan race, I signed up in the competitive heat. (laughs) And I had no (laughs) clue what I was getting myself into. (laughs) But it was there that I met somebody from Lone Star Spartans. And we did pretty much he kind of helped me through the race. And that's how I got involved in that group too. So that was kind of my entry into the sport. And that was all she wrote for me. (laughs) I was hooked from there. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I love being part of you know, obviously, they're uh, race groups all over the place, but I love kind of having a home in both Lone Star Spartans and the Battle 611 group. It's pretty awesome. Right. And it's just the sense of community, the fact that these two groups can come together and, you know, attend some awesome events together. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's a big thing is I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but some people are kind of die hard to one particular race brand. And I know for myself, I love doing every single one of them. I try to get in as many different ones as I can. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm kind of the same way. I when once I tried Spartan, I was I was hooked, like I said, and that's whenever I started venturing out and wanted to try out other brands because you know, I mean, variety is the spice of life. So why not <laughs> mix it up a little bit? Right. But yeah, I've, I actually still have yet to do a Savage. The very first Savage I went to, I ended up not signing up for the race, but I volunteered at the medical tent. So that was my first experience with okay. Savage. And I was, it was killing me to be on the sidelines, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I know you're, you're uh, you know, you run elite and, and you're, you're pretty good. So you should definitely do Savage, you know, the, the uh, mandatory obstacle completion. It's a lot of fun. Yes. Yes. And their obstacles look insane for this year. I know we're going to talk about that later, but I'm really excited about that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And so you do um, elite. Sometimes. What's some of your, yeah. (laughs) What's some of your, I guess, achievements so far? Uh, Most, actually most of the, most of the Spartans that I've ran recently, I pretty much finished top 10 age group pretty consistently. So I was pretty excited about 
<laughs> um, I think probably the most recent one I had was our last race in Florida last year. Um, I placed first in my age group. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Or was that this year? Yeah. No, that was at the end of the last year because it was in December. And I was supposed to do the beast the day before, but we had that crazy freak snowstorm here in New Orleans. And I actually <laughs> didn't get to, I was supposed to fly out of New Orleans at noon, didn't end up flying out of New Orleans until six o'clock that night. So <laughs> I didn't actually get to Florida until just about midnight. So I'm like, there's no way I'm running a beast the next day. <laughs> I really want to. And I know I'm already signed up for it, but there's no way. There's just no way. <laughs> yeah, I have, I usually sign up for elite unless it's one that has two different categories. Like Spartan's got the elite and the competitive, which is now age group. And that's, that's what I kind of fit into because I'm not as, you know, Ryan Atkins or uh, Hunter McIntyre or those guys. So uh, the age group definitely fits me a little more. And usually I'm like, I don't know, in between 15 and uh, 50 in the age group. Yeah. The guy's competitive field is just stacked, though. It is. Compared to the women's. There's a lot of phenomenal women in elite, running elite and age group. But compared to the guy's competitive field, it's rough. <laughs> I got to <laughs> give it to y'all for running elite because, yeah, I Mm-mm, I couldn't, I couldn't hang for sure. <laughs> well, I've said multiple times, if I could run in the women's heats, I might stand a chance to podium. <laughs> I mean, you could just Which is not- identifying <laughs> with a different, <laughs> that right, day, right. you know, depending on who you identify with that day. Yeah. And that's no put down on the women out there. No, I know there are definitely not. plenty of them that would whip my tail. Absolutely not. And I know there's a few women out there who have handed it to men pretty badly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, this being our first episode, we've kind of been keeping track of the, you know, just what's been going on since the year started. Mm-hmm. And we got a full list of topics. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun and interesting episode because a lot of it's pretty recent news, too. Right. Like we said, we, we don't want to make this a media source. And I know I don't plan on going out and doing interviews and stuff. And uh, I, I want it to just be a conversation about what's happening lately because that's what I enjoy and I know you're the same way you enjoy just talking about the the latest what's going on in, in OCR but I gotta hand it to the groups you know like Obstacle Racing Media and Muttering Guide and Will Hicks over at uh, World's Toughest Pod the Mudstacle team over in Europe you know they are constantly on top of stuff Strength and Speed uh, overcome a run and even the new OCRM. So not ORM, but OCRM with Laura Mesner and Benny Gifford. They're doing some pretty cool stuff there too. Have yeah. you checked that out yet? I have. And um, Benny Gifford is also collaborating with Hunter. I don't know if you yep. checked out their obstacle dominator podcast. Yeah. For people like that. I mean, they're the ones that inform us. So give us something right. to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, my news feed comes from, you know, just getting all the, the race emails and looking at the Facebook pages for all the different groups. And, uh, there's a lot to know about for sure. So it's good to have something like this and obviously all the other sources that we have to keep on top of what's happening for, for those people that just, that's what we enjoy is just staying on top of the thing we love. Right. Yep. I'm geeking out on OCR for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. 
So one of the, I think one of the first things that came up this year was the Savage Race, the Blitz format. Yeah, you know, I'm surprised they didn't, they didn't do as much ads for their new obstacles as they did their Blitz. Because I was definitely seeing a lot more ads for their Blitz format, which I guess the short course is starting to become a lot more popular with a lot more people because especially with a lot of beginners that are just getting into OCR, they don't want to do all the crazy distance OCRs is completely understandable or the people that are trying to more specialize in short courses so yeah that that was really interesting i was seeing a lot more about the blitz format than i was about their new obstacles yeah and to clarify the blitz format is i think a 5k yes i think it's a 5k yeah and uh they i i really actually liked the way they advertised it because I know with Tough Mudder, they've done their shorter races and said, if you, you know, basically, if you don't want to do the full, you know, 10 miles is a long ways, you want the easier course, come and do the half and then and now do the 5K. But with this, they really promoted it towards the competitive side of people. Yeah, they kind of catered to both both sides, like the beginners and the competitive people. There's been a lot of talk with especially with TMX, too their short course, but that's, that's more of like a hybrid OCR CrossFit. It seems like to me, I haven't done one yet personally, but yeah, the blitz format, it definitely catered to a lot of the competitive short course people that are looking for a lot more short course competitions out there. Yeah. Come run it fast. Come blast through the obstacles. Yeah. It sounds like a good time though. Yeah. I just wonder how they're going to condense like what, they're going to decide which obstacles go into that shorter format because their longer length, what is it like seven or eight miles is their usual length, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have a certain number of obstacles in that length of course. So I wonder what kind of obstacles are going to be in that shorter format. Yeah. I could imagine them doing kind of how Spartan does whenever they shorten a course from a, you know, a super to a sprint. So basically there's a loop out on the outside that you don't do and you cut across and then fill in the gaps that way. Right. I just hope they don't make it like how Spartan does their sprints now, which I understand why they did, how they made them almost like a, a light version <laughs> of their race, oh, yeah. you know, to where the rigs are just rings. So they're easier to get across. I just I hope it's more competitive and it's still technically difficult enough for it to be a challenge for beginners and it's a, enough to be a challenge for those that are competing as well. Yeah, well, that's how they've advertised it. So I could imagine that being the case for sure. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Which, like I said, I understand why Spartan did their thing. And I think I think it was pretty smart of them because it seemed looking at both of the OCR communities that I'm in, it seems to be working and attracting more people and, you know, it seems to be working for them. So. Yeah, absolutely. I know Savage, they, I think it was part of their Savage Syndicate Facebook group where they uh, did an online or a live uh, interview with themselves, a live broadcast where they were answering questions, which I think was pretty awesome. And, and that really brings up the topic of just Facebook groups in general, where they have one, for those that don't know, they have one that is for, it's called Savage Syndicate Group, but you don't have to have done two of their races. But more than likely, if you're in there, you probably do at least one of theirs a year. And so it's it's interesting. Um, they really kept out, put out a lot of information that day when they did that live 
live stream. And I think that's really good and awesome on their part to help people understand what they're up to. For sure. And I think social media is being a huge outlet for like Tough Mudder did their live feed on World's Toughest last year and Spartan's starting to do live uh, Facebook feeds on their races. So as far as reaching out to more people and being more accessible and yeah, just reaching out to the community and informing people of what they're up to. Yeah. And with it being uh, a group, you know, that's a big part of what OCR is unlike a lot of other sports where it is the community is a huge part of it. So uh, if you, if for those people that are out there that, that aren't really part of a lot of groups, like if you're in the Texas area and you're not part of Lone Star Spartans, get in on that because you're going to find people are very welcoming and that stuff is really important to help keep you on top of your, your focus and uh, your training and all that stuff. And so do it. And you it's know, a get really on good on. outlet to ask. I know the jo- running joke is, you know, people always asking, <laughs> what kind of shoes do I wear? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so, you know, we've asked that a million times, but it's also been answered a million times and you will always get such good information from people that have been in this since the beginning. And that was really another thing that really hooked me was that everybody was just so welcoming. Like I know this is a complete stranger I'm meeting on the course, you know, (laughs) and, and like all of a sudden I was a part of this really awesome community and, you know, we were getting together and trading, trading tips and, oh my gosh, what do I pack for this race? And how was this race last year? What do I expect? I mean, it's just a wealth of information for people just getting into it. Or, you know, even if people are traveling to races that they've never done before, maybe somebody else has done done it in the past. So, I mean, it's just a really good source of information for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to Savage Race, talking about their new obstacles, they've got or from what I've seen, three. Is that what you've seen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Holy sheet, mm-hmm. battering ram, and pedal to the metal. Do you have a, you feel like you got a grasp on what those are? The first two, yes. Pedal to the metal, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure okay. about that one. But yeah, so definitely the first the two. The first two, so the holy sheet is basically just a rig. And then it's almost like you have the ball and the grips and then you transition to a sheet that's just hanging there (laughs) and it's just hanging there and you just have to make your way across almost like the straight bar at on the Spartan rigs, except it's a sheet. Yeah. I think that's, it's a funny obstacle to describe right? because yeah, it's like, I'm going to do some, you got some bars and some balls and then there's a sheet. Right. Like off your bed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like they <laughs> just took it off the bed and they just hung in there yeah <laughs> and it's 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 honestly very similar to the the rig that they have had in the past and i know i saw in dallas this past year where part of it is a ver- uh, horizontal rope and so that horizontal rope is it doesn't have tension all the way through it so there's you grab a part of it and it sinks with you as you pull across that's definitely gonna be a challenge. <laughs> yeah. So that it makes a difference. It, it, it uh, and then on the ends, what's the, this is a different from the rope where the rope doesn't have this, the ends. So that it's like the sheet is tied, but then there's another two foot 
hanging off the end. So you can grab that as well. So that's fair <laughs> so game you know, people, well. <laughs> Yeah, you know, people do uh, towel, yes. towel pull-ups. Yes. <laughs> so people that practice towel. that will yeah. probably kill it. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't done too many towel pull-ups lately, but <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to start doing them again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> for sure. But I really wonder how that's going to hold up during the day i just, I just <laughs> that true. that thought just popped in my head i just i wonder how that sheet is gonna hold up for the whole race like i really hope it's a really good quality sheet <laughs> yeah are they gonna put it after a wet and muddy obstacle that's gonna make a big oh, difference yeah for sure i didn't even think about that that's a good people point. are gonna be wiping their hands on the sheet and then like oh wait i gotta grab this to get <laughs> exactly exactly is it gonna be is it gonna be absorbable like is it gonna absorb <laughs> what is the thread count on these sheets exactly Exactly. That's a valid point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, the, the, the rougher the thread count, probably the better you, it would grip. True. Very true. And it keeps the cost of the rig down as well. It's mm-hmm. a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> but if they make it like a silk sheet, that would probably be tougher. <laughs> that would be, that would just be killer on the arms. That would just, I don't even know at that point. <laughs> I don't even know. That's definitely going to be interesting to watch this year. Yeah, yeah that's going to be real interesting to see. All right, what do you think about Battering Ram? Battering Ram looks fun. It it reminds me of a lot of the Ninja Warrior obstacles that you see. So that, that one looks really fun. That one's going to be definitely really grip intensive. And just like any rig, it's going to be really demanding on the upper body. But that yeah, one, go that ahead and describe is, it a little bit. So it's basically like a cylinder around a pole that you just have to grab and shimmy your way across. Mm-hmm. From what I've seen in the videos, it doesn't look like you see in Ninja Warrior where the, the, the thing you grab is about six inches in diameter. Right. No, it's it a looks lot a lot smaller. smaller. It's a lot smaller. It's almost like, what do they use? For those post hole diggers that have the um, the handles on the side, whenever you're digging post holes, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I've I've seen those a few times in my life, <laughs> but yeah, it looks like almost one of those fit over a pipe, and then you just yeah, but quite interesting because you got to shimmy down it, but at right. the same time that thing spins. So if you try to grab it from one side, exactly. it's going to be tougher. Right. That it looks fun. Definitely looks fun. It's like a. Yeah, it does kind of remind me of the Ninja Warrior obstacles a little bit, but definitely a lot more difficult. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a good one, too. Very challenging, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. Now, Pedal to the Metal, it, I know from the Conquer the Gauntlet community, people are saying, you know, oh, they stole this one or whatever, or that looks a lot like such and such. Because uh, they have one where it's a, a spool, one of those big, you know, wire spools, and mm-hmm. they have a chain or rope and a chain around it that's pulling a, a sled drag and you uh, crank it with a big handle that's on the spool. This one, pedal to the metal, looks very similar, but instead of, well, first off, instead of a sled, I think there's just going to be a tire tied to the rope. But instead of cranking it with your hands, you literally lay on your back and put your feet on the spool and kick and push it like that to roll it up. Oh, geez. <laughs> but I have done a conquer the gauntlet and I want to say I did do that with, <laughs> with the spool <laughs> at one point <laughs> with their wheelbarrow. Cause it, theirs is a wheelbarrow without the wheels and it's got a whole bunch of sandbags in it and you just got to crank it and then drag the sled back or drag the wheelbarrow back. But yeah. 
holy cow, that's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be interesting. That's more lower body. Whereas a lot of the rigs are going to be a lot more upper body. There's not very many obstacles that are really intense on the lower body, not counting like the carries or anything and just running in general. <laughs> that's true. It is most of the lower body stuff is usually just running up hills or yeah, carrying stuff, uh, which is both, you know, upper body and lower body. Yeah. And I know I've heard some people, I don't know, there's some, there's a couple of schools of thought on the, those heavy carries. Like I know a lot of people aren't a fan of the bucket carries and they don't really see it as a real obstacle. But <laughs> it is. I mean, mentally and physically, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the funny things about it, I've been hearing people say is when you, you've got people literally laying on the ground doing this kicking motion uh, the videos that they showed showed about five or six, maybe even more people surrounding that person, like cheering them on or whatever. But they're saying, how many are there going to be of this? Because there's going to be a backup if, cause I, I mean, how fast can you do that with your feet? Oh, for sure. So, <laughs> is it, is it going to be the backup that we saw in the videos? Because <laughs> that doesn't look like it's going <laughs> to work like too well. <laughs> no. And that I know at Conquer the Gauntlet, there's usually a pretty good backup at Pegatron. And it's just, whenever it slows down the flow of your race, it kind of kills it. It kind of, you're just like stuck there waiting on an obstacle and it, yeah, it kind of kills the vibe a little bit. Yeah, it is tough, but uh, it's a good segue to the next topic, talking about uh, Conquer the Gauntlet. They uh, have done some changes this year. They're doing less races, but more focusing on, uh, partially because they're going to focus on their family, because one of the, I forget who, I think, I think maybe Stephen Main Prize uh, had a child. So they're you know focusing oh, yeah. more on that. David. Yeah. Oh, was, no. I David. think it was David. Wasn't it David? I don't know. I feel I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> so I feel like it was David. <laughs> it's, it's possible. Um, but uh, yeah, so they uh, they got less races. So I think that's a good thing to talk about as well because how many races does a race do to be profitable? Of course, it all depends on how many people do you get at each event. But you know, the more events you put out there, if it as, at least is offsetting your price by a little bit, your cost, then you're making something. So they've shrunk their amount of races, but probably going to put a little more focus into each of those. So I think if you're doing more races, that's a lot more traveling. That's a lot more logistics that goes into it. You have to transport all the obstacles. You've got to get volunteers for each race to help set up and tear down and run your event. Whereas I think if you put on a few events and you make those events and you invest in those events and you just make them really enjoyable for the people coming to those races. You, I think, I think it'll even itself out. You make good points. Mm -hmm. So that brings up the question of what is terrain race doing? Terrain race has, I believe 50 races on their calendar this year. <laughs> yeah. And they're one of the cheaper race series, Yep, not cheap by quality. I haven't personally done a terrain race. My schedule isn't going to let me do a terrain race this year, unfortunately. But so I can't speak to the quality of their events. Well, I've done one, so I can say that while the price is low, the quality of the race reflects that somewhat. But it's not like, oh, this is just a trash race that, you know, <laughs> it is good. I mean, they have some good obstacles and they uh, put on a good event. So there's there's enough to it. But uh, yeah, I mean, 50 races when your entries is only what, 60 maybe for the elites and then 30 or 40 for, for open. 
Yeah, and don't they have a multi-lap option as well? Are they, they in do. One of those series that has a multi-lap option? They do. And I'm I've I've not done that because I've done the elite heat with them, but I'd love I do love multi-lap and as you know because we both run uh, the war zone heats in in the battle races last year and mm-hmm. that for those that don't know it's just the same as uh doing toughest or uh what's the other races that have that option kind of forgetting now um oh bone frog recently yeah they, they just released their it's the bone frog challenge it's just as many lap i think theirs is a little different though because there's they have three separate distances and their tier one is their longest distance and their sprint distance is their shorter distance. So your first lap is your tier one distance and then all subsequent laps are the sprint distance. So it's as many sprint laps after your tier one lap. After That's that right. Lap. That does sound cool. Uh, I, that does sound interesting. I'd like to try that. But you saying bone frog reminded me it was battle battle frog. Battle frog was the one yeah. that had the multi-lap race, you know, battle frog extreme uh, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was signed up. I can't remember if I was signed up for the Battle Frog Extreme, but I know I was signed up for a Battle Frog race the year that they went kaput, and it yes. really bummed me out. Yeah, because <laughs> that was one of the series that I was really looking forward to getting get first getting into it. You know. Yeah. Well, I can mimic uh, Matt B. Davis real quick and ask you: Do you think that Battle Frogs ever coming back? <laughs> well didn't technically didn't they come back right it's like the city challenge (laughs) didn't somebody buy their facebook group or facebook page or something (laughs) i you know i've heard of them having races here and there but i haven't heard it blow up as much as battle frog did so i know it's more of like an urban setting ocr type event but you know I haven't done one either, one of those either, so I guess that one's going on the list eventually too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Back to Conqueror Gauntlet real quick. Their medal, you know, they introduced their medal for 2018, and it's uh, it's cool because I, I think the past couple of years their medal has always been the, the their lion logo, and this year it's actually got their gauntlet on it, which is pretty pretty sweet looking. Have you seen it? Yes, I have seen it. I, I like it. It still incorporates the logo, and I know. After doing Conquer the Gauntlet last year, I know they kind of caught a lot of flack for their medal being just really mediocre, (laughs) which some people do it for the medal. Some people do it for the event to each their own. But I I remember them catching a lot of flack for this is my medal for for doing this race. But they, you know what? I loved their shirts last year. Like, yeah, I don't care if I get like a mediocre metal if i have an awesome finisher shirt that's hey <laughs> yeah and some people are you know some people rather the metal but yeah. they are one of the cheaper races and for as cool of an event as they put on uh they do have cheaper entry fees and that's just part of it i mean you gotta you gotta cut the cost somewhere right and i i think i did see one of um one of the guy one of the race directors respond to somebody saying that you know they looked at the mock-up for the medal and they thought it. W- they themselves thought it was going to come out differently than what they received. But once they received the mass delivery of all their medals, it was kind of too late to go back and change it. Plus all that cost money too. So, and personally, like I really enjoyed their event. I, their, their obstacles, like you don't see them at a lot of races like Pegatron. You don't see at 
really any You've seen a lot more and more peg stuff nowadays, but exactly. uh, they definitely started it in this area at least. For sure. For sure. And they they still reach a lot of the region that really doesn't have too much going on OCR wise. So they're still gaining a little cult following. Right. The center, center, center part of the country definitely doesn't have as much going on and they feel yeah. they feel that need. Exactly. And it and they still put on really great events too. I really like how they're they interact with the racers race day and taking pictures with racers and everything. They're a really down to earth, really awesome company, I think. They are. Absolutely. It's definitely uh, more of a family feel and a closer feel than it is with some of the big races. But it's understandable that, you know, we can't all go talk to Joe DeSena, but <laughs> we can all go talk to David Mank Prize because there's only, you know, how many of us race in it. Exactly. Joe DeSena actually in Tahoe thought that I was working at the Junk Brands tent. <laughs> he, was, he was coming around in the Finnish Festival in Tahoe, and I was shopping for headbands, and he was going around <laughs> to all the vendors saying, thank you for being a part of this event. And he comes up to me, and he was like, do you work here? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Did he say thanks anyway? Or uh, Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, that's awesome that he did that. I was just like, oh my gosh, Jonas said it's like here in the flesh. I usually don't see him except from afar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, you know, we're talking about longer distances and uh, uh, training and multi-laps and stuff. I know I like looking for local races, uh, all the little charity, not necessarily 5Ks, but any obstacle race or mud run that is a local, they do one a year. Those things, I think, are some of the best training. Uh, now, obviously, you can go do you know CrossFit every day, and that's good training. But when it comes to like race conditions, I'm going to be on my feet for eight hours. Uh, I've done a few where it's like they just they have a time, but they're okay with you going multi laps. So just go all day and get those miles on your feet and get the feel of you know taxing yourself. Definitely, yeah, I've done a few of those. I did that at Warrior Dash a couple of years ago where, you know, I, I signed up for the competitive heat or whatever in the morning. <laughs> and then I had a few friends coming to meet me at the venue later on that day that, you know, I ran, ran with them later on. And yeah, that's definitely a really good training run. And it's a good way to support that too. You know, we all, we all want more races. So going out there and doing something like that, you know, we're just showing support as well. Definitely, definitely supporting local is huge. Do you ever volunteer? At it? Have you ever done any volunteering? I have. I've uh, volunteered. You said that earlier, actually. <laughs> well, technically, it wasn't a volunteer position for, with Savage because they, their medical services, they work okay. with um, like an outside contractor. So that person, actually somebody from Lone Star Spartan said, hey, um, this company is looking for medical personnel to hire for the day. And so I was actually signed up to volunteer at Sa at that Savage race and then I think run the next day. But I was more interested in getting paid for it <laughs> <laughs> since I was having to travel to Houston. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I and I figured, it would, you know, it's – me being in the medical field, I'm always trying to learn and everything. 
and just get new experiences. So that was just an experience that I had never had before. So cool. I figured I would do that. But I did volunteer at the 2015 Dallas, um, I think it was the the Sprint in Glen Rose in 2015. That and was that was, it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was hot that year, but... I liked it. The uh, the volunteer directors were really nice. They made sure we were taken care of. Yeah, it was it was not a bad experience. That's I cool. Ha- but I haven't had too many volunteer opportunities. Yeah, since. I know a lot of people. That's their go to is I'm going to volunteer one day and race the next, or volunteer in the morning and run in the afternoon to save on money. Right, and that's how. I, that was my volunteer race for because I volunteered at that race in order to get entry into Alabama that year. So yeah, that was pretty much how I funded my habit <laughs> that year. <laughs> I haven't done any volunteering yet myself. Uh, not in an official. Uh, I, I did at Concord Gauntlet one time cause just because we were staying pretty much the whole time and they needed some help because uh, they were short short staff, but. The races rely on volunteers so much, and you know the more that we as racers understand that, I, I think it, it goes a long way. Because I don't know about you, but even though since I, especially since I haven't volunteered, I try to make sure to thank all the people that do every time I pass them up. Oh, definitely, and I got plenty of shout outs that day, nice. <laughs> which I really, which I really appreciated, even from a, from the elites that were trying to blow through that course because it was a sprint course. But yeah, it was it was a really good experience, and I know um, being a part of battle and battle races. Yeah, volunteers are a huge part of how well race day goes, and you know you have to have manpower to go set up, and it it's not an easy feat setting up those obstacles and marking out the course and making sure racers are taken care of and having a good flow through registration and everything. So it's definitely, I recommend it just so you can see both sides of running the race and kind of being in the background and seeing how everything works and what it takes to put on an event. Giving an appreciation for it. Exactly. Yeah. So to everybody out there listening that has volunteered before, uh, you know, a huge thank you. And if you keep doing it, then, hey, we'll make sure to give you a high five and say thanks again on the course. For sure. And it's definitely a good way to get free races. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went so I said I went and did the the SoCal Super this uh, past at the end of the January. And uh, I, I wanted to I wanted to talk about it. But at the same time, I want to share something that. I'm not sure if I've even shared with you yet. I know I haven't shared with a ton of people, just kind of what's been going on with me at the beginning of this year. And and the main reason I want to share it is for anybody out there, just in case somebody comes into the same situation that they can hopefully recognize it sooner. Because really what I'm about to share is something that could be, it could really hurt you and be really dangerous. So anyway, uh, the beginning of the year, I started just noticing that everything was kind of harder. I was getting more fatigued more quickly and more often. I even went on a couple day hike and it was tough <laughs> getting to the top of the mountain and just being like, wow, I feel dead. So about when it t- came time for that race, I, I think I ran to the first obstacle and 
I, and I ran a little bit after that, but pretty much from that point on, I ended up walking. So it was a, a two hour sprint for me, which is, uh, I know some people, you know, no offense to people that take longer than that, you know, it's, it's fine. Everybody's got their own speed, but for me, close to an hour is going to be my sprint time. So it was definitely something was wrong. And I, I recognize that. That race, though, it, it was a cool race. I'll get into exactly what happened in a second. But that race was real interesting because I think they moved the event to a new location for this year. And the temperature, you know, this was January 27th, I believe. And the temperature was about 60 degrees that morning, you know, starting out. And it got to 70 plus, maybe even higher than that, uh, maybe even 80 by the midday. Yeah, that's pretty hot for January. Exactly. That's the thing that was awesome about it is like, I mean, I know people love SoCal for that whole reason is like, it's always beautiful weather out there. And it really was. It was just amazing <laughs> to be able to go race in January and it just feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> and not be like 20 degrees. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the The wind was crazy too. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of rare that you, you get heavy winds in a race, but the sun was out, but the wind was just blowing strong. So anyway, my, my issue, I felt why I felt so fatigued. Uh, I went to the doctor after that had happened and they took some blood and they basically called me uh, about three hours later after they had tested it and said, your blood is half the levels, the hemoglobin levels that it should be. And anybody that knows hemoglobin levels, they say it should be 12 to 14. And mine was at six. So I was, they said, you're anemic, which I've never been. You have lost half of your blood. (laughs) Go to the hospital, go to the ER right now and get a blood transfusion, which. I'm surprised you were even up around walking. (laughs) Yeah, it felt crazy because I knew something was wrong, but I mean, I was going about my business, you know, just, just doing, doing whatever I needed to do. I knew I felt fatigued, but Anyways, so I went and they did a lot of tests. They thought that it would be something internal. And so they checked, you know, all my internals, except for my small intestine, but they checked the other intestines and my gut and uh, my stomach and my throat. And they didn't find anything that they thought was the reason, which was kind of odd. So the jury is still out on it. They're going to still do some more testing, but they ended up giving me blood and iron to get those levels back up. So it's just for people that are out there to, to keep track of or keep mindful of is if you feel more fatigued than usual when doing anything other than sitting around or walking, go get your blood checked. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, a lot of times you chalk that up to, oh, I'm just getting older. You know, things just aren't as easy anymore. But it or could definitely I ate too much over the holidays and didn't exercise right. enough. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, it could definitely be something serious underlying. That's wow. That's crazy. And I had a similar, I had a similar um, experience whenever I went to go donate blood. I wasn't anemic per se, but I was, they told me I was really low on iron. So I started having to take iron supplements for a little while Mm. and I couldn't donate blood, but they still call me, you know, every month (laughs) to donate blood. But yeah. And you know your body better than anybody else. So if something doesn't feel right, definitely go have it checked. Exactly. And I felt I felt like my blood wasn't getting to my legs the way it should. And when I talked to the doctor, he said, you know, as a doctor, that's one of the best things you can do is listen to your patient. And that's exactly what was happening. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's very good to find a doctor or a healthcare professional that will listen to you and not just say, oh, you're just getting older or, oh, you just need to tone it back a little. Because being our age, you know, you never expect for anything real wild or crazy to be going on, but you just never know. Yeah, and I think it's easy to look at the people in our sport and be like, no, that's not the case because there's plenty of people that are running masters that are kicking my butt, so... Oh, yeah, definitely. But you know what? You can't escape genetics either. So (laughs) definitely if you have a family history, um, you know, get everything checked out. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I ran the sprint that weekend because my buddy, uh, Fat Tony, um, if anybody knows him from the BMX scene or he's got a he had his own podcast called The Expansion Project. Pretty cool guy. He ran, he's really into CrossFit and he ran his first obstacle race. He had always told me, Hey, if there's one out here, come on out and I'll do it with you. And since he is into CrossFit, he wasn't ready to do, you know, seven miles. So we just did the sprint and he did pretty good. He did, I think, in our age group, he got maybe 18th or so. That's not bad at all for doing first First time. time. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now I heard that on, the twister on Sunday because they didn't have it in the sprint, but now they're doing it with pads that are oh, wrapped grip. around. Yeah. The grips. So they, I believe roll in the, in your hand or around the bar, which obviously yeah. can make you slip off easier. Cause apparently too many people were ripping their hands on that obstacle. <laughs> yep. And they, so they put grips on thinking it would help people, but no, the grips move. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of counterproductive, but I've, I've started seeing videos now of people getting around the grips, just grabbing the vertical part instead of the horizontal part that's covered and the vertical part isn't covered. It's a little bit weirder of a grip, but yeah, I've seen people doing that now. <laughs> I've heard that as well. And that does seem irritating and odd but but even since then i've seen where they're they're making it to where some lanes have the grips and some lanes don't which i think is is really awesome of them to hey we we have this issue we we put a fix to it people complain about that now so here's our compromise exactly i i like that idea i think i would definitely go without the grips but yeah i like that idea and they do that they do a similar thing with their rigs where some some lanes are elite lanes and the other lanes are a little bit easier. Yeah, I think somebody needs to make a uh, a meme with the Bear Grylls thing, you know, show <laughs> show people complaining about the, I don't know, this seems too complicated now, but the over, over uh, adapt and react and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. That's what they're doing. Good job. Good job, Sparta. That's what OCR is all about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. How about uh, off-school racing excuse me, obstacle course racing media. <laughs> we talked about it earlier, but they're doing even from, I forget who said it. Maybe Matt B. Davis said that it's more of a ESPN style. Maybe it was yeah. Benny. I think it was Benny. Benny is the one that said it. I've seen kind of a couple of videos on it. I haven't really dived into it as much, but I've seen a few videos of it and it is a little bit ESPN ish. Yeah, and they've launched their website now, and they're saying they're trying to be the hub for all things obstacle racing. And that's real interesting because, you know, we have so many competing parts of the sport, and everybody tries to work together, and then sometimes they don't. But with this one, it's going to take a real collaboration for that to actually be the case. 
Definitely. And it it adds to the body of information that's already out there. But, you know, being the hub of everything, I'm not sure. We'll see how that pans out. But, I mean, it definitely contributes a lot, for sure. Yeah. And I know at World uh, Obstacle Racing World Championships, because it is a completely separate entity from all these other races, you do see a lot of media collaboration there. So you'll see Mud Run Guide, but then the guys from Brociar and uh, some French people from Mudstagle, like they're all working together to bring live feed the entire day. It's really cool. Yeah, and it's a lot to keep up with sometimes whenever you have several different feeds going on to try and keep up with on race day. But um, yeah, I think if there was one central spot where you could go watch that kind of stuff, it would definitely make it a lot more convenient for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see how it pans out. We'll see how they run with that. And Benny Gifford's a part of it. So I think a lot of the success of it is going to be the athletes getting involved because you don't have, well, you have some, but you don't have a lot of athletes that are strictly, you know, Spartan or Tough Mudder or, you have a lot of these OCR athletes that are going to to take part in a lot of these different events. So, right. you know, it's going to be a lot of info from the front lines. Yep. And that's kind of what we're hoping to do here, too, on a casual scale, of course. But, uh, yeah, I, I love seeing people who are into all kinds of different races. No offense to the Tough Mudder crowd in particular, because I know they, you know, they love their Tough Mudder, and that's that's great. Tough Mudder is a really cool thing. I guess there's just more to experience to me. Well, yeah, Tough Mudder and Spartan definitely have their diehards, but you know, to each their own. And I can definitely appreciate things from both um, both franchises. But you know, personally, I, I just like different races. <laughs> yeah, I, l- I was listening to World's Toughest podcast this morning while I was running, and Will Hicks was talking about how awesome Ryan Atkins is when you pass him or excuse me, when he passes you on a course, (laughs) (laughs) nobody passes Ryan Atkins. What are you talking about? (laughs) When he passes you, if you say, Hey Ryan, or good job, or, you know, he's going to say something back and you know, he's a real awesome dude like that. But, uh, he said, if he doesn't say it, I will record a whole episode on Spartan race. And then he <laughs> joked and said, no, I'm not going to do that. Don't do that because that's going to, you don't need it. He doesn't need all that distraction from every single person on the course. But right. <laughs> I thought it was comical that that was his, here's my end of the bet. I'll record a Spartan podcast. <laughs> oh, gosh. That would be interesting to hear. But yeah, Ryan doesn't need all that distraction, which, I mean, he's so dialed in. That guy's That guy is just not human. Oh, my yeah. goodness. He's just... I mean, it's, I know it's been said a lot, but he's just got, got everything down to a science and he's definitely experiencing the success of that training that he puts in for sure. And yeah, he is a really down to earth guy. We've, we ran into him at a couple races last year. We ran into him and Lindsay in Asheville and during Tahoe saw him run by on some of the obstacles and I was on the course and watching some of the racers do their ultra beast in Tahoe or attempt their ultra beast in Tahoe last year. And, um, yeah, he ran by me a couple of times and like totally chill dude, very approachable. Like 
you think, oh, it's Ryan Atkins. Oh my gosh. And you start like fangirling, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you just go up to him and he's just a totally normal dude. (laughs) Yeah. Him and Lindsay. They're both, they're both really awesome. I remember whenever I saw Lindsay in Asheville, she was like, oh yeah, you look really strong out there. I was like, Lindsay Webster just said I look really strong on that That's obstacle. Awesome. Like I geeked out in my head a little bit. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. Tough Mudder. Tough Mudder, I think, has had the most news going on lately out of anybody. Yeah. And even more so lately, which yeah, we can get into that. But yeah, they're putting out a lot of new events. Their short course, their five their five K. TMX, the half and the full, which I heard the full in some venues is going to be two laps of the half. Yeah, I'm real interested to see if that carries through for the rest of the year because they're saying, you know, this is a change that we're going to make for the year. But will it be, you know, if the fan, if the people racing, if they don't like it, how are they going to react and adapt to that? Exactly. And I think it was uh, whenever I was listening to ORM podcast, Matt B. Davis, it was going to be the toughest mutter or tough mutter LA that they were going to kind of test that concept, see what the response was and kind of go from there. But (laughs) as we now know, that kind of all fell flat because it got canceled due to the mudslides. As of today, the, the, the fourth and the race was supposed to be yesterday. And they canceled that for sure. Have you seen any information about today yet? I have not. No. I can't see anything. I think the whole thing was canceled. That was my impression of it. Yeah, they were keeping uh, they were keeping it open, I think, but saying, you know, as soon as we know something that we're going to put it out there. But I, I can't say I've actually seen if they canceled Sunday. I know. You know, the regular Saturday and toughest the night race are canceled for sure or were. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, those were definitely canceled, which I know a lot of people were going out there for the first toughest. So that was yeah. kind of a bummer. Which is an interesting topic in itself when that kind of stuff has to happen. It's a shame, but it does happen from time to time. And the race companies, you know, just do. I, th- I think most of them try to do the best they can to give back either uh, transitions to another race or, or transfers, or sometimes they do refunds, even though they say they don't do re- refunds. There's been races that have done that. Yeah. You can't control the weather. So some things are just out of your control and things like mudslides. It's crazy. <laughs> right. I wonder if any of the other, so if you transfer your toughest to another toughest, if that's going to make any of the other toughest have a bigger crowd than what they will, probably would have had otherwise i would imagine so because i know there's a lot of people getting into that toughest category now now so yeah they've got i mean shoot we can sit here and list all of their new races or race formats but <laughs> you you probably hear that everywhere else <laughs> enough as is yeah uh, they've got one for everybody i believe um but i think the real interesting thing is to how they've how they are marketing it now the whole fastest, fittest, and toughest. So it's it's almost like they're breaking apart their the different race groups. So whereas toughest and world's toughest fit into a group together in the toughest category, fittest is TMX, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they go towards the CrossFit hybrid crowd. 
Yeah. And fastest is the tougher. So this is all competitive stuff. It's not including the 5K or the full or the half. Yeah, I think the 5K and the half concepts were more geared towards just attracting people to the sport. Right. So you got the competitive group of races and then you've got the challenge group of races. Yeah, the challenge group of races. They, I mean, they have a lot to offer as far (laughs) as competitive wise because you definitely see with a lot of the elites now, they're starting to specialize more in short courses or longer courses or endurance endurance courses so i think they have a, a lot to offer this which year. is really cool that they're a big enough company that they've been able to pull this off because obviously smaller companies it, to branch out into something new is a big investment and they've been able to do that and put out that investment and it's really i mean we're the ones that are winning because we have so many options now yeah what do you think is their secret to success. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess. Well, okay. Those tough so runner diehards that we keep talking about, maybe. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. I think just like Spartan, they've had their their little cult following, just like you have tough motors diehards. So there's definitely that. But well, they've kept it so specific, saying we are not a race for so long mm-hmm. that they built they built what they have. And then they branched out. So they spent, what, five years, maybe six. I don't remember exactly, but building that group of people that run it just because it's fun. Right. And it's a lot of this OCR stuff comes back to community, but it it was more geared towards people helping other people and that kind of that kind of crowd where you just sign up for a race and, you know, you just all go out there and help each other. Whereas once Spartan started becoming more competitive, you saw a lot of crossover. And I think that's where they were trying to keep up. Yeah. And, and they started coming up with their own concepts. Right. And I, I think, honestly, I think they've hit home runs all the way around. It's pretty awesome to see the events that they're putting out. Definitely. They've, they've given Spartan a run for their money. Definitely. Because yeah. you, just like you have people that were diehard Tough Mudders, go to Spartan for their competitive races. Now you see a lot of Spartan people crossing over and go into Tough Mudder. Yeah. Um, so, and they've found, you know, look at Ryan Atkins. He did Spartans for so long and he's found a lot of success with Tough Mudder. Yeah. And Ryan Atkins has been at it at world's toughest since I believe 2013 or so, maybe I believe 2013. He was doing that, you know, every year since then, but now there's, so many more races that he does. Now, I know he's definitely done some just regular fools before they had a competitive wave, but now there's way more races that he show up to, I believe. Especially now that he's official Tough Mudder yeah. team. <laughs> they <laughs> right. made that official. <laughs> Let's talk about their so their new stuff for the uh, for 2018, their new obstacles. I, their new obstacle stuff they they really didn't have a ton this year, but they did make some changes with the competitive side of things. Yeah, because a lot of their obstacles are geared towards the teamwork aspect. So mm-hmm. now that they're getting into more competitive stuff um, and the endurance stuff, they have to modify a lot of their obstacles so that, you know, one person can complete an obstacle and not need, you know, five people helping them up Everest yeah. or something, you know? So whereas this past year, it was more so the competitive 
part of the race did the Legionnaire stuff, uh, as well as having the ropes down like Everest or Pyramid Scheme. Pyramid Scheme, yeah. But now they're changing it even more to where you've got Funky Monkey with, instead of monkey bars, they're supposedly going to have all sorts of different grips, which we were going to see this weekend, but you know now we'll have to wait, I guess, to see what that's actually going to be like. Which, when is their next race? Is their next race New Orleans? Because I'm really bummed that I can't go to New Orleans, but if that's all going to come on New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That, <laughs> I'll be there to uh, let you know how it was. <laughs> awesome. But, yeah, it could be. I mean, they've got two weeks since then, uh, till then, so they may have one next weekend. I can't imagine them not having one on a weekend. <laughs> right. I can't. Yeah, I can't remember their schedule exactly, but I just I just know New Orleans is in two weeks, so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how they – take a lot of their concepts that they were going to test out and test it out in New Orleans. <laughs> right. That, that'll be pretty cool. Uh, Everest 2.0, it's going to have that extended wall on one side of the thing. So it'll be like Everest used to be where it didn't have the curved top. It'll just go straight up, but it'll extend like another two or three feet. Did they have that at World's Toughest? Cause I, they did I, this year. Now, I, I wasn't there for that, but they did have it and it looked... I come from a skateboarding background, so it, running up stuff like that feels somewhat easy because I just know how to run up a curved ramp, <laughs> but they extend it, you know, so you've got to really get up it higher. So anybody that's out there training, you know, get used to the warped wall because that's where you really learn how to run up those things. Yes. Warped walls are really fun, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> warped walls are really fun. And I know that rounded top. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it personally because, you know, whenever you're running up a wall and you want to kind of propel yourself up and try and grab onto something, there was really nothing to grab onto. So I know I got a lot of scrapes and bruises <laughs> from that last year. So that's going to be, I think, I think that'll make it almost easier. Even though it's higher, I think it'll make it almost easier. One thing I'll say is about uh, Everest, if it's a dry day and you're running this may not be a problem for you, but when you're running without a shirt on, do your best not to slide back down the thing. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It's that plastic. It will. <laughs> oh whatever God. it is. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. I <laughs> fell down Everest several times and just, you know, running in shorts and sliding down <laughs> it. That was not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Now rope dope is a new, uh, I know I didn't see this even last year at, at in 2017 in New Orleans, but it is a new op newer obstacle for Tough Mudder where in the competitive ways of Tougher, you just, it's basically just like a rope across a moat and you can kind of swing across it because it's tied down or weighted at the bottom. But the toughest, have you seen the toughest version of that? I have not. I've, I saw Rope-A-Dope during the world's toughest scene. Okay. So yeah, you know what it's like then where they were climbing up it and then they had to shimmy down another rope at an angle. Okay. Yeah. See, I was getting that one confused with their, what's the one where they have to jump out onto the bar King, that swings King across? Yes. King of Swingers. And they have to grab the little triangle of a cargo net. Yeah. They did that first for sure. And, uh, it's probably where they got Rope-A-Dope from, but yeah, they're going to have Rope-A-Dope as a newer obstacle as well. So without the traverse, but just having to climb, get across the moat, but you, you kind of have to swing it, but you kind of can't if it's weighted down. So I'm not yeah, really so sure. I saw a lot of people 
struggling with that on the feed because it's weighted down. It's not like right. a, like a traditional rope climb, you know, where you yeah. just use your use your your foot wraps or whatever to get up the rope. But because there's a weight at the bottom, it's a little bit more difficult, I think. Yeah, that'll be real interesting. And two, I'd say the probably two most interesting changes this year is one, the finisher obstacle is not going to be Kong and it's not going to be uh, electric shock therapy. It's going to be happy ending, which looks like pyramid scheme with a curve to it and water spraying down on you. <laughs> kind of like their Augustus loop. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. <laughs> but while people are trying to make while a pyramid. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like those obstacles just because I feel like I'm getting clean. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I'm getting a shower. But yeah, that's that's going to be interesting because a lot of people try and make that big pyramid of people going up that wall. And yeah, yeah that's going to be interesting. But they're all they're all muddy, and so it makes it even harder. Yeah, exactly. this will be yeah the clean version of that. <laughs> yeah, the cleaner version exactly. So that's going to be the finisher obstacle then. Yeah. So electroshock therapy is supposed to be in the course, like in the middle of the course somewhere, and which means you don't get the option to skip it. Right. <laughs> Unless you take uh, possibly a penalty loop if they do that. I envision them. Well, some people healthy. can't do it just because they have, you know, pacemakers or whatever. Right. So they got to have some kind yeah. of option, I believe. Yeah, more than likely. I was able to, I don't, I don't think I got shocked by it last year. I kind of like navigated my <laughs> <laughs> through it just because i'm i was so scared of like just getting shocked <laughs> once and falling down flat on my face in the mud pit because i passed out from the electric shock or something <laughs> <laughs> and i don't i don't i did it my first time first tough mutter ever and then every time after that i've always taken the legionnaire option because it's just not fun <laughs> some people enjoy it but i yeah i didn't enjoy it too much well, and last year the Legionnaire options were was Kong at the end versus electroshock therapy. I really wanted to get on Kong. I'm really kicking myself <laughs> that I did not get up on that obstacle because I really mm -hmm. wanted to try it out. <laughs> yeah, it was fun, especially the competitive version. They would take out the first ring, so you would have to leap and jump out towards jump out. the first ring, which is really cool. Which it looks simple because it's just rings, but they put it. 20 feet up in the air. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that jump out really kind of throws in like a whole huh. cliff as aspect to it too, where you're yeah. just fighting against your, your own thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't do well with heights. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think I don't mind electroshock therapy being in the middle of the course for the tougher wave, except that it's going to be two, if it's going to be two laps, exactly. <laughs> you have to do it twice. twice. <laughs> but particularly at the toughest events, if it's going to be in the middle, you just got to do it all night long. Oh, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Oh, that does sound terrible. And during World's <laughs> Toughest, they had a different, it was, it wasn't electroshock therapy, but it was, what do they call it? Pandora's box where you had to crawl yeah. through. For 2017, it was Pandora's box. For the two years before that, it was Operation. Which operation, if you figure out how to do it well, you don't, you know, you can do it without getting shocked fairly easily. Yeah, but Pandora's box, you pretty much had to had to low crawl through that whatever they had built over it. And like you didn't know if you're yeah. going to get shocked or not. I heard somebody say if you do ever see it, um, if you splash, like put keep your arms in front of you and splash 
water, the water will hit the wires and cause that shock to go off before you're touching it. And then by the time it's going over you, you the shock has happened. It's pretty smart solution. Yeah. Huh. Never thought of it that way. Take a hose with me through electroshock right. therapy. Exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to carry a, a spray bottle with me um, <laughs> during world's toughest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to uh, carry it in my gear bag. It's going uh, on the list. <laughs> well, yeah. So all very very interesting stuff. I think the last thing really to be said that that's of important news is that Spartan offered free races for everybody that uh, got canceled out in Los Angeles for Tough Mudder. Yes. And I, I saw that and I remember seeing bro CR saying we poked the bear or something along those lines. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like I said earlier, those two are just going back and forth. I mean, they're competition for sure. Um, yeah. And it, it's a little bit of, you know, come do our race instead, but at the same time you get a little bit of the, we're helping you out because, because we're all OCR. Exactly. And that, yeah, that's one, that's one part of it. And you got to kind of wonder too, how, what their numbers were like for their Las Vegas race, like what their registration numbers, because they were on the same weekend. Right. So you got to kind of wonder about that too. But I do like how they kind of said, Hey, we'll take in your racers. I'm sure there was a little jab in there, but for the racers, it was, (laughs) it was probably a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so and so close to them making that video about <laughs> tough mud. Well, the, we need Will Hicks's uh, soundboard to do the uh, the, the music yeah, for that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think let's let's wrap it up there. Unless you got any anything else you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw back to Matthew Davis. Um, I think the only thing I want to say is just to encourage people to go to the to check out our Facebook page. Um, if you have anything else to add to the conversation, or if you thought of something that we didn't talk about that you want to hear more about, definitely put in your input there and we'll take a look at it and maybe put it in a future episode. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, facebook.com slash OCR talk. So that's, we, that's what we want with this. We want everybody listening to come and join our conversation. I know too many times I've listened to a podcast and be like, well, man, here's my thoughts, but there's not really a good place to, you know, you can go on their post for the episode, but it kind of gets lost, I think, uh, sometimes. Not all the time, but really that's what we want is everybody to join in and let's let's have a conversation together. You know, we talked about a lot of stuff and there's a, there's a lot going on, so join in. I'll make sure to post that somewhere, the link to it, but again, facebook.com slash OCR talk. So hopefully we'll get this podcast out on it within a few days and we'll have it on stitcher and itunes and all those other places if i can figure out how to do all that (laughs) available in all formats iphone and android friendly yeah yeah absolutely anna thanks so much i look forward to you know chatting with you about the stuff kind of here and there we're going to look out and to do uh you know one or two episodes a, a month to start off with to see to see how it goes definitely looking forward to it it's fun Awesome. Well, anybody that's out there actually listening to this, thank you all so much. That's fantastic and awesome. Really hoping to get your feedback. You know, let us know how we're, what you thought about it. Do you think we're cool or we're stupid? And, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's have that conversation. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Anna. Talk to you later.
Oh, 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 oh,